One thing I love about being from the South, growing up in the 80s, shout out to 1981, is some of those crazy sayings that my grandma used to hit us with all the time. I remember one time I was up on her roof trying to fix something, and I was asking her a question about what I was doing, and she tell me, hey, boy, if I tell you that a cow can lay an egg, shut up and get the skillet hot. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, you know, and, and another time she hit me with, boy, don't worry about the horse being blind. Just pack the wagon. And I'm sitting here looking like, uh, okay, you know what I'm saying? And But then sometimes she'll hit you with one that would, that you could easily understand, easily pick it up real quick, like, hey, listen, don't ever ask a question that you don't want to know the answer to. Kick the intro. Tactical Tuesdays with Peach State Armory. Today is February the 4th, 2020. I am Dr. Osiris Carter, and yes, Your Honor, I do consistently drive at 88 miles per hour, but that's just in case I need to go back to the future. You gotta come back with me. Where? Back to the future. You understand that? Like, what's happening? What's happening? It's your partner, Uncle Malcolm, and my granddaddy used to always tell me it's better to have it and not need it <laughs> than need it and not have Straight it. Straight up. <laughs> anyway, all right, today, guys, we got a special topic because we felt like we had to address this one question. Hey, uh, Malcolm and Osiris, what kind of gun should I buy? I could talk your head off about it, and the thing that always happens in my mind is I always want to start teaching. As soon as they ask that question, I always go into instructor mode because at that point, it's now time to start to tell whoever that is asking the question the real deal about firearm ownership, about carrying a gun every single day. That's the time to go in those types of, uh, uh, of, you know, and that's always what I want to do, but their mind isn't there. Their mind is, is is on, give me a gun to buy so I can go out here and spend $600 on this gun. People look at buying a firearm like they look at going out to get a pair of shoes. Exactly. It's just, it's, it's not that simple of a process. One of the things that you should always, 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 always pay attention to when you're buying a firearm is the fit in hand. How that firearm feels in your hand is going to be very, very, very important. Yep. It's going to be very important because if you're trying to shoot effectively, that firearm needs to be comfortable in your hand. If it feels like a brick, that shot is going to look like a brick. Don't ever play yourself. Don't ever play yourself. Don't ever play yourself. Another part of the puzzle would be your own muscle strength. Whether or not you can manipulate that firearm is going to depend on if you have the strength to be able to do so. Yep. Now, why, why, why would strength become an issue when I'm buying a firearm? Um, most semi-automatics require you to, to use some sort of strength to actually get that firearm in action um, and to load that firearm. Uh, whether it's uh, depressing the magazine, release to release the magazine, or pressing the cartridges down in the magazine as you're loading it, or uh, racking a slide on a uh, on a semi-automatic pistol, um, 
to be able to put that that firearm into into action and into battery. So that would mean more than simply just going to the store asking the guy behind the counter, "Hey, can I get a Glock 19?" Or well, yeah, cuz after you get it, then you got to manipulate it, you know? So what we always try to tell people when they approach us with those types of questions, you know, well, excuse me, with that question, is simply you need to go to the gun store and you need to put some hands on. At, yeah. The first question I ask is, what are you going to do with it? Correct. What 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 is what, what is that firearms for? intended use? Exactly. What do you what do you want one for? I mean that's that to me is is square one. I'm just saying I think you gotta think about your options. And let's address a common misnomer uh right now. Um I've heard so many people say, Well, I wanna get this firearm to protect my house. There you go. One response. Yeah, that's right, right, right. I want to get this firearm to protect my house. (laughs) That's so funny. Last time I heard that, I laughed so hard I fell off my dinosaur. Studies have been done and and statistics will prove and show that more than likely, you know, a high percentage of times in the 90s probably, the chances of someone entering your home while you are there are going to be slim to none. And like my grandma would always say, slim dead. Say what? The person that's going to break into your house has more than likely cased that house, has more than likely got your schedule down pat, has more than likely seen you enter and exit several times. So when the time comes for them to break in, you won't be there. So to those people who always tell us, I want to buy this gun to protect my house, my next question is always, are you going to carry it? Because if the gun is at home, they're going to steal the gun too. (laughs) Because you won't be there. And if the gun ain't going to be on you, the gun be, is, is going to be at the house, they're going to steal the gun too. Yeah. So if you are buying a firearm for personal protection, you need to, at some time or, or another, be planning on carrying that firearm. Yeah. So with that in mind, another one of the factors that you need to consider when you're buying a firearm is that firearm's weight. How much weight can you tolerate on your person? Yeah. If you're a woman, maybe in your purse. I mean, but they've gotten creative now with women's garments that you can hide a, a firearm almost anywhere, depending on uh, her endowment. <laughs> um, it plays a, a major part in a selection of a firearm whenever I'm out looking for firearm. Yeah. Because if it's not a long gun, at some point or another, I plan on carrying that firearm. For some time, I carry my judge. Hmm. Ridiculous. And if you guys don't know what a judge is, Malcolm calls it the elephant gun. Right. It's a handgun that shoots uh, 410 shotgun shells as well as 45 Colt. Shout out to Colt. Right. And and the only people who use those, I say, well, well, ask my hunting guys. You know, hey man, um, you ever you ever heard of these judges that that uh that revolver that shoots those 410 shells? They say, yeah, yeah, we heard of them. I got one. Hey man, uh, what you use it for? Well, I just keep it on me in case I run into a wild boy when I'm out in the woods. Straight up. Listen, listen, man. I I never know when I'm going to run into a wild boy. Right. In the you streets. Understand me? You understand me? In that. the streets of yeah, Atlanta, Georgia, I never know when I'm going to run into a wild boy. So for a specific period in, in, in life, I carry a, a Taurus judge. Every you day. You never know. You never know when you're going to. Get run up on by a wild boy. I'm trying to let you know, bro. Yeah, the, uh, that's I, I mean, so weight is going to be one of those factors, guys, that you have to pay a lot, a lot of attention to. So many people go out buy a gun because their friend told them to get it. 
gun is too heavy. Now the gun is a paperweight at home. Congratulations. You played yourself. They're going to steal it when they break in. Yep. And that actually goes both ways. Uh, so many people, <clears throat> excuse me, end up buying guns that are, um, they, they, they say they're for concealment by a itty bitty gun. Shout out to the itty bitty. <laughs> and, and, and it's so small that they can't even manipulate it. You can't even, you, you can't even shoot it because it rock and roll in your hand so much because it's so small. Um, so it does go both ways. It goes both ways, guys. Wait, pay attention to the weight. But that, again, means that you have to get out here. You have to get some hands on these guns. You have to see how heavy it feels. Most modern gun rangers, most conventional gun rangers these days will let you rent firearms to shoot. Yep. So, so, so you can understand the next point, which is basically, can you handle the recoil that is presented by that firearm when, it, when you're shooting? Because it may look pretty. It may feel good in your hand. But when you actually go to fire it, which is what you're buying it for, if you, you know, God forbid you ever have to fire it, but you go to fire it and it it, it almost, you know, flies off your hand or, or, or hits you in the face. Right. Then, now you got two problems. Now you, you have been taken down by the bad guy and you got a broke nose. Yeah, well, you just pissing everybody off today, huh? So being able to mitigate recoil in the firearm of your choice is going to be extremely important. And again, that means getting out, testing some of these guns out. Uh, most people have friends that have one or two firearms. Talk to those guys. Have them take you to the range with you next time. That way you'll be able to shoot those guns and understand how they feel, understand what kind of strength it takes, understand how heavy it is, understand what kind of recoil is presented when you shoot. You'll be able to understand all of these things and you'll be able to come to grips with what is the correct firearm for you. Yep, trial and error. So to all of those people that approach us and say, hey, what gun should I buy? The answer more than likely from us will be, it depends. Yep. And it beware, beware of someone who you ask that question to and they give you the name of a pistol. Be very, if, if for, for that person that's doing that, stop it. Yep. And if someone gives you an answer off the fly and tells you to go get this specific gun, yeah, ask them are they getting paid for it. <laughs> exactly. They must be getting paid for that because right. uh, someone who is concerned about you and your safety would not simply tell you to go out and buy one single firearm yeah. because one size does not fit all. <laughs> and if you're going to carry this firearm, where on your person will you carry? Very, very important. Uh, please don't be the guy in Kroger walking around with his pistol on his hip. Um, these things are not for show. And guess what, sir? When the bad guy comes in after he caps security, you're next. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Okay? It, logic would say if I'm a bad guy and I'm coming in to do damage, I want to neutralize all of my threats. Well, if you have that pistol on your hip, sir, you're my threat. You will be neutralized. So be careful with open carry, guys. But outside of open carry and concealed carry, there are several different positions on your body that you can carry. Uh, Malcolm is a fan of carrying in, in the appendix area. Me, not so much. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about carrying in the appendix? And I mean, is it uncomfortable? Well, it depends on how, you know, what the size of the shed over your toolbox is. You know what I mean? <laughs> so to speak. So, you know, body type you know, also dictates where on your body you're going you, you gonna to carry it. So if you got a, 
uh, you know, Homer Simpson beer gut. <laughs> it may be a little difficult for you to carry a gun in the front of your waistband. Oh, okay. So uh, okay. hit the gym, work okay. out, you know, get it down if that's where you feel like you need to carry it. Now, the, Shout out to the, the different places you carry it on your body just depend on, again, intended use and with your with your training, how you will actually use that firearm. And that's going to be very important. To me, appendix allows me to have the utmost control of my firearm. Anything that is directly in front of me, I feel like it can't be taken off of me uh, without me being able to avert that that issue. And also, it allows me to not have to reach far, depending on what it is I have in my hand, to get to that firearm in a defensive situation. That makes um, a lot of sense. Uh, if I carry it around in the back of what they call 4.30 or maybe 6 o'clock, when you when you take positions of sitting down and standing up, you get different different uh, ways for that firearm to come out, fall out, be visible. In the front, it just feels more secure to me. I okay. feel like I have complete control over that firearm. It does nothing that I don't want it to do. I like to carry about a four fifteen in the four fifteen position, which is basically if you step out of your body and look at your body from above your head and you form a clock, 415 would be kind of on your right butt cheek a little bit. Um, I like to actually carry there and it's duly due to training. I train actually for one hand to manipulate my clothing and the other hand to actually go ahead and grab that pistol. Um, but it does take a lot of training. Um, so where you carry that pistol on your person, um, I'm not a proponent of the six o'clock carry. Only because if the bad guy knocks you back, flat on your back, you may do damage to your spine with that pistol sitting right there. So 6 o'clock is a little tough for me to try to carry there. Again, 415, 430 is where I like to carry. And the reason that that's so important on where you're going to carry is because, say you grew up watching Dirty Harry movies. Shout out. Shout out to Clint Eastwood. Do you feel lucky, punk? Being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off. You've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Right. So you decide, hey, I want to carry a, a dirty, a dirty, hairy revolver uh, with a with a 10 inch barrel on it. <laughs> You're not going to carry that. You're not going to be able to carry that appendix at 415, 425, 436. Is in a case. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, if that's if that was on your mind that you were going to do that, you know, some things are just not even feasible. Right. Feasibility. Feasibility is another is another one of those factors. I mean, we've talked about several. We've talked about how that gun feels in your hand. We've talked about weight. We've talked about shootability. We've talked about the ability to be able to manage the recoil. We've talked about desired and intended use. We've talked about several things. Uh, and, and we're not done. So this conversation has gotten long when you approach us and you ask us, hey, Malcolm, hey, Osiris, what pistol should I buy? Another major issue is going to be price. Yeah, what, what's price in your wallet? Price and brand. What's in your wallet? Shout out to Capital One. Right. Capital One, uh, come to the show. Please. Uh, what, what can you afford for this tool that you will be using to protect yourself and your loved one. Don't get me wrong. A lot of times you hear me a lot about six hour pistols, but they are on the expensive side (laughs) at times. There are more expensive, um, but you know, for the everyday carry, 
it may be expensive for some people. Um, but that does not mean that there are not good, reputable companies that you can do business with when you're trying to find a tool for that protection. But you, you be careful because you get what you pay for out here. And Buyer beware. That's it. Because Buyer all, beware. Just because it may be cost effective, um, do some research on that brand. Exactly. Because they're not all You may have creative. to save up. You yeah. may, you, 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 you know, for what you want, you may have to save up. Layaway is okay. I use it all the time. Train while it's on layaway. I got to buy six, so you know I got to use it. Yeah. Um, but understand, guys, that uh, brand does play a part. You will not see me carrying a high point firearm. Mm, shout out to high point. Uh, I mean, I, I, it's, that's just my preference. You yeah. will not see me carrying it's a sky just firearm. And that's I believe that's how you pronounce it, sky, S-C-C-Y. But those are just my choices. I don't choose to spend money with those brands or brands that associate in their circle. That's just my choice. But that is because I have done the research, and the research that fits me says that I need something a little better. That's it. Google them. Google the brand that you're thinking about getting and look at the reviews. Any reviews you can find on those firearms, look at the forums. Uh, go to the website. Those forums are actually, you know, when you're looking for a firearm, I can't speak about anything else. But when you're looking for a firearm, if you're not familiar or if you're not used to them, you might want to read some of those forums. They may be older. Um, but they still have some good information. And speaking of brand, each brand has different controls, different safety mechanisms on these firearms. Some people are a fan of external controls, external safeties on uh, carry pistols. Some aren't. Are you? Uh, you know, if you're asking me, do you want to, can I tell you what firearm to buy? Do you want an external safety? And that's a, that's a preference. And, you know, that's up to you. It's whatever you feel comfortable with. If you feel like <laughs> your, your fingers and your mind aren't safety enough on a pistol and you need more safety mechanisms to make sure you don't shoot yourself or anyone else that you don't want to shoot, then that's your preference. That's and your you're preference. entitled to that. Exactly. You know, those of us who fancy the 1911 platform, you, you're going to have, nowadays, you're going to have several safeties. You're going to have a backstrap safety. You're going to have that thumb safety. Well, we'll, go, we'll, we'll explain a, a backstrap safety for those who don't know. If you have the firearm or the pistol in your hand, the part of the pistol that rests in that webbing between your thumb and your index finger, that's going to be called the backstrap. So on most modern 1911s, they have what they call a backstrap safety, which is basically a little button or a tab. If pressure isn't applied to it to where it activates or deactivates the safety mechanism with inside of the pistol, the firearm will not shoot. So basically what you're saying is you have to have a perfect grip on that firearm when, you, when you're firing it in order for it to fire. Perfect grip. Yes, sir. You will have to have the perfect grip or the or an effective grip for that firearm to even fire. Um, so the backstrap safety is used as a way to ensure that the gun doesn't accidentally go off, either being dropped, mishandled um, or not being gripped correctly. OK. Um, also, 1911s, there is a thumb safety and on some pistols, they have a similar deal um thumb safety is basically more than likely when you're shooting um will be activated by the thumb on your shooting hand but it is intended to be activated in your draw the only way to be able to effectively 
manipulate those controls in a defensive situation is with hours and hours and hours and hours of training. Um, the only way to effectively mitigate recoil is with hours and hours of training. The only way to be able to comfortably carry a firearm appendix, uh, you know, at the 430 position, 6 o'clock, whatever your flavor may be, is going to be training. And I think you touched on it earlier. And when you said you carry at 415 because that's where you were trained to carry and that's where you train with your carry. Correct. So I train um, with jackets on. I train with a sweater. I train with a T-shirt on. Um, and I do that extensively just so if I do have to up my unit, I can do it effectively. And it will be part of that muscle memory. Because if I'm in a defensive situation, the first thing that's going to leave me is my fine motor skills. So without those, I won't be able to really go through an in-depth thought process. So I am relying on muscle memory. Muscle memory. So training, uh, you know, I train to pull clothing with my left hand as I'm reaching around to access my pistol with my right hand. And that takes a lot of training um, because jackets are different if I've got on a hoodie versus an actual jacket. Um, that's going to be different versus just having on a T-shirt. Be a lot different with all those different types of clothing. I wear all, so I have to train in all of those modes. Yeah. Did you get that memo? Yeah, and um, and training can be fun, guys. You know, don't get bogged down with thinking that, you know, you have to do something that's grueling. Uh, we we touched on it at a, at a previous episode uh, that I shoot uh, competitively to an extent. With the IDPA, which is the International Defensive Pistol go again Association. With the acronym. I'm about my issue, baby. So anyway, episode, it, the, the key words are defensive pistols. So basically, you're you're in a group of people at your local firing range, and you get to draw that firearm and fire it in different situations, in different um, around different types of cover standing shooting moving so it is a fun environment but at the same time it's you're training reps in. you're getting you're getting exactly. reps in it's training much needed rep but you're having fun and then we go eat at the mexican restaurant after everything is said and done and after we've washed Shout our hands Chalupas, with cold man. water once we get off that range like i always tell you if you ain't got one you better get you one it's the tactical accessory of the day so today's tactical accessory, shout out to Magpul. I know we Once may have done again. some other ones with Magpul in it, but that's just a, a solid brand. I mean, you know, it's reputable, and we would love, we would love to Magpool, have one of your representatives on, to come in and holler at us. Holler at your Shout boys. out to Magpul. Anyway, uh, today we're speaking about the PMAG 15 GL9. Okay, all right. Uh, let, let, yeah, I know it's a lot of acronyms. Hey, this, many, is the, this, this, this the world we in. That was three acronyms the, in one. This the world we in, bro. PMAG simply means polymer magazine, not too creative. Uh, 15 is the number of rounds that it holds, and the GL9 simply means Glock 9mm. Okay. Um, now, this is a Magpul-made magazine, especially for a Glock 19. It uh is it looks similar. It works very similar to a Glock magazine uh, in shape and design. And the gen generation five Glock magazines have an orange follower 
uh, that this uh, PMAG has simulated and also has an orange follow-up. Um, so it tells you when your gun is empty. The, it fits flush on the bottom of a Glock 19. You can also use it in a Glock 26 with a little bit of the magazine protruding past the frame. Can you use it in a SIG 229? It's, I said GL9. Okay. Uh, my bad. This is, again, something that Magpul makes proprietary for Glocks. <laughs> Wow. Uh, don't think they do that for C. Wow, Magpul, come on the show. Explain just yourself, it please. Don't, don't be ex ex exclusive, please. You brought this on yourself. Um, so anyway, the the my favorite, favorite, favorite portion of this magazine is the butt plate. So the plate at the bottom of the magazine has what's called a paint pen dot matrix. Say what? And what that is for, basically, if you're looking at it, if you turn it up the magazine upside down, look at the base plate, you'll see a bunch of indentations. Uh, similar to what, if you have ever seen lights on a scoreboard, it's similar to lights on a scoreboard, to where you can use different configurations and put color or different markings in those configurations to identify your magazines. Because if you buy 10 Glock 19 magazines, they all look the same. They're absolutely no identifying marks for you to be able to tell one from the other. So that is the main point of those. So also, if you ever in a defensive situation, you can know which magazines are guaranteed to work and which ones may be kind of sketchy. And every week, we always like to send some shots down range. Brow, brow, bow, shots down range. So. On a previous episode, we mentioned something about social media, and social media is doing it again, guys. They are proving to be helpful. Last month in Northern California, there was a 15-year-old girl that was kidnapped. Uh, her assailant drugged her, um, enlisted the help of two other, I dare not call them gentlemen, two other uh, assailants right, to load her up in the trunk. They sexually assaulted this girl, then moved her to a hotel, sexually assaulted her again. And as he left her in that hotel, she had her phone and was able to use Snapchat to let her friends know that she had been kidnapped. Not only that, but we know how cell phones are these days. They're not like landlines. They're not Shut easily identifying your locations. So Snapchat allowed the girl's location to be broadcast for authorities, her friends called 911 and she was able to be retrieved without further harm. And all three of those assailants have been caught and are being prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Uh, if if it wasn't for Snapchat, guys, uh, you know, there's no telling what these psychos would have done to this girl. Um, even though they had sexually assaulted Snapchat, her, come on the, show. The, uh, the app allowed her to be rescued and no further harm was done to the girl, not to mention all of the men that were involved in this, uh, and I use that term loosely when I said men, Real uh, they're just adult males, uh, but all of the, the adult males involved in this are being prosecuted. Um, shout out to Snapchat. That's going to do it for today's show, guys. Make sure you go to the website, www.peachstatearmory.com. Make sure you get your 2020 custom shots calendars. They are going on sale as of today. Also, check out course offerings. I am Dr. Osiris Carter. Don't tweet me. See me when you see me. You understand that? And this your boy, Uncle Malcolm, a.k.a. Kill them all, let God sort them out later. Always, guys, remember to watch the six and stay low.